This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and we're back again today, me and my ever-so-joyful co-host Dave, to talk to you about the war in Europe. Uh, not that war, the war on open source. Yes, indeed, indeed. We have discovered a terrible plot <laughs> that the EU is is going to ban open source. And if, dear listener, you're thinking we're going a little bit more clickbait on this one, yes, we are. And it's fully yeah, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> Okay, so why why did we land on this on this clickbaity topic? Well, there is a proposal at the moment, um, actually a very very recent proposal, uh, only came out on the twenty fourth of January this year, um, where the the EU is proposing the something called the Cyber Resilience Act, which in itself is an excellent yep. um yeah it's an excellent idea it's an excellent concept the goal is to reduce the number of um cyber attacks that happen reduce the impact of those cyber attacks improve the cybersecurity posture of software everywhere i mean Anything that I've said sound like a bad idea, Jan? Well, yes, because at the moment I'm kind of socially isolated still, and the only mails I get is from hackers and spammers that are telling me they've taken over my system and I have to put Bitcoin in a Nigerian prince's purse somewhere. <laughs> if I take that away, I'll be totally isolated. I mean, the other the other problem, of course, is that uh, you know this would put you know everybody in the infosec industry out of business. So that that's a bad idea, isn't uh, it? Yeah, but that doesn't work that way, right? I mean, because you have these companies in the world that. It's like the mafia tactic where they will protect you from their own aggressions. And of course, I'm talking about Microsoft, who's building Windows and then sells very expensive antivirus software against malicious exploits of Windows. So I think the, the IT industry, they'll, they'll be okay. They'll find a way to monetize, I think. Okay, okay. Well, the background behind this <laughs> is that um, according to... Um, you know, a report, which is actually not cited, which is kind of interesting. Um, the I think cost, the, one, the, the annual... other one you found, I think it's uh, based on this one. No, no, it's 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 not actually cited on the EU site either. Um, they 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 basically say the global annual cost of cybercrime is five point five trillion, or was five point five trillion. Um, it says by twenty twenty one. Yes. Um, so it's a I future projection. Mean, yeah, but. 2021 to the past so yeah but this was uh, this this was published on the 15th of september 2022 and you can only have uh, data from last year especially in the eu which uh, is slow which is a good thing bureaucracy mm. is saving the world by slowness it's just too mm. unpractical to declare war in the eu at the moment it works right anyway so the there are four kind of specific objectives that this legislation is trying to improve and again like all of these sound like really good things that we should all be doing but let's if we if we kind of talk about each of these four um the first one is ensure that manufacturers improve the security of products with digital elements since the design and development phase 
throughout the whole life cycle. Why are you reading this now? Because I'm sharing this the article and I can't see what you're reading. Okay, so it's actually on the... There we go. If you scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. There we go. Ensure oh, this one. four okay, specific objectives. There we go. For people watching so, YouTube, see how this works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and then... So I, this the, the, what the first thing that kind of triggers me a little bit with this objective is it uses the phrase manufacturers and i think this is like one of the first challenges uh, i have with this and maybe it's just maybe it's just the way that it's worded but when i when any anyone says manufacturers to me i think physical products mm-hmm. and that's not really the way that for example open source works um i'll contest that we have controversy we disagree for a change Mm -hmm. Uh, you're right Uh, software isn't something you manufacture it's it's more of an artistic creational thing if you like however software becomes potentially a problem when it gets physicalized Uh, simple example self-driving cars the car manufacturer suddenly becomes responsible that his use of any software sources he uses is secure safe whatever so this is actually one thing i like now it's not a uh, it's not foolproof because there are some gaps sometimes uh, software just gets used as software nothing else so it doesn't Mm -hmm. but the thing is that then it probably won't kill anybody while if i'm selling pacemakers with open source software and now it's not you can't no longer say as pacemaker manufacturer or as a self-driving car manufacturer yeah but the software is at fault if you put the blame on the manufacturer of a device using software, uh, the bug kind of stops there at the point where money is being made. Because quite often in open source, no money is being made. So suing people that don't make money, that doesn't work. Uh, but the manufacturer is using that software to sell expensive stuff. They make money. So if you make them responsible, so if you make the manufacturer, and that's what it says, a improved suite of products with digital elements. So digital elements inside that physicalized whatever it is, that means you can start suing Tesla, uh, the pacemaker manufacturers, things like that. that. That kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, but then he said yes. Let's, let's go on. He said yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that that then cuts out a whole range of, as you exactly as you said, like stuff that doesn't get, and I'm sure physicalized is not a word, but like of course it is. I, <laughs> if it didn't, it's now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, let's say you're using a an open source project, um, and you're using it to predict something and you make a decision based on that something and someone hacks into mm-hmm. it and changes that prediction and all of a sudden you know you make a decision and someone dies you know that as i said it's not, not foolproof because uh, the only way you can make it foolproof is by making a computer also one of those physicalized elements which kind of means that my pc uh, it's i've got a dell monitor which is showing stuff that is being created on my AMD CPU uh, coming from my Samsung hard drive. Okay, who do I sue because the red is not red on my monitor pixel here? All of them. <laughs> sue them all. <laughs> that's that's the route to that's the route to millionaire. Um, so yeah, as I said, it's not foolproof, but I do see a reason why they might have thought to look at manufacturers and not at the software developer per se, because. 
but I don't I don't think I don't think this is uh, I don't think that's the intention because if you think about um, like think about cyber attacks cyber crime as a whole how much of it is people hacking to your point physical devices and causing cyber crime and how much of it is people just hacking systems for information for data for whatever well not talking about iot devices because there's a bunch of those um you're right the, the the hacking is done there but at what point does the hurt occur because the fact that my social data was hacked doesn't hurt me the fact that somebody uses that stolen data to do something might potentially hurt me mm. and doing something with it. Now, I do agree that you're kind of starting to sue the people who are not responsible for the problems. But the idea, which, he, which I already said, is you can't sue somebody who, has, who makes no money. So you have to find a position where it actually makes sense to have legislation, to have a, a target and make that mm. target responsible for ensuring that whatever they take in is secure. And yeah, is it perfect? No, no legislation is. It does kind of make sense because saying, yes, you developer need to make secure software is of course a laudable goal and something every developer mm. should do and Absolutely. we should enforce. It's just that in this world, when you sue somebody, you sue them for money, but you can't sue somebody for money they didn't make. Again, if you don't have any money, how can you, you can take paycheck uh, percentages and stuff like that, but it doesn't work. And again, that poor developer, he made a little library that does a cute thing, put it on the internet, and now big company XYZ uses this to, to mm. make bazillions of money and something goes wrong. That poor developer shouldn't be made responsible for that cost story because they didn't have that intention behind it. It's the one that monetizes it. That's typically the manufacturer kind, manufacturing in the broader sense of the word. Yeah. So that I do agree with, but again, like again. it's the use of that word manufacturer now what's if, a better if it, word i mean vendor i think would be a better word because vendor doesn't involve it doesn't involve the manufacture of a physical item but it does involve the point where that you were making which is around someone is making money presumably off of selling a service built around you have a problem again oh we've got there's still problems with this for sure but because a vendor is one step further than a manufacturer Maybe the vendor sells stuff that the manufacturer creates that uses software. Maybe, but sometimes in a lot of cases, thing. look at the car industry. My little garage here down the street shouldn't be responsible for something. Car brand XYZ. I was going to say one. I'm not going to do that. Put in there because of bad software. So, I th on the one hand, I agree with you because vendor is a more plural term, a more encompassing term would make more yep. sense. But it's also a way of indemnifying the big money makers because uh, BMW, Volkswagen make lots more money than my little garage down the street here does. While the garage is the vendor, the car manufacturer is the manufacturer. So it's a hard thing. Maybe, it's a hard thing. maybe. But then the, the car manufacturer is only assembling pieces that are created by other people. So they're the vendor. Yeah, yeah but they have of... the money. And my, my goal, and I think from the EU point of view, is they want to, the one thing the EU wants to do is put fines up. Because mm. that's yep. the only, you said it before we started this episode, what's the stick? 
Yeah. Well, the stick is get asking money. It's kind of the only stick you have in this world, to be honest, except if you go for physical violence, which we hope we won't do. Let's stick with the money getting. Where's the big money? At the manufacturer, because the vendor has a percentage, the manufacturer has the most of it, usually. Don't talk about farmers here. Um, but in any case, the developer does. But yeah. I'm totally happy to agree to disagree. I think Even I think we right. will have to. Um, but I think we'll we'll see if there's a, a common pattern here. But I think there is. The next the next one is uh, ensure a coherent cybersecurity framework facilitating uh, compliance for hardware and software producers. Yeah, and I like the two unicorns, please. Yeah. So, again, I think there needs to be... I, I know that this isn't really... Oh, well, this hasn't been designed at all, as far as I'm aware, with open source in mind. And that's one of the challenges that we're trying to pick uh, at here. It should, because basically, it's if it's software, a lot of software is open source, so any kind of legislation should always have that in mind as well. But a comp... A coherent cybersecurity framework, uh, to your point around like, ooh, little Bobby drop tables creates a little library in in Perl and shares it off of GitHub. Like he's not going to create a comprehensive cybersecurity well, uh, framework around is, it. <clears throat> if he wants the EU certification of approval that this is a good piece of software. And the question but, is, is this mm -hmm. small Bobby Table person looking for that? He's just making a little hobby thing. He doesn't care if this makes money. But now if car vendor, manufacturer, billionaire, mm. fill in name yourself, wants to use that thing, it's up to him to either not use a library or ensure that a, a coherent cybersecurity framework is, <laughs> is enabled around it. So I don't see a problem there. My problem here is what is a coherent cybersecurity framework? Defining that? Oh, it's going to be mm. a big problem. Yeah. And one that's evolving all the time, because anytime a new malware form pops up, you'll have to uh, change that. So either definition becomes very vague and unenforceable or very precise and unenforceable because it gets outdated in two weeks. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. why I want no. the unicorns. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so here's one that actually makes me think maybe open source was considered... In, in how this is put together, which is enhance the transparency of security properties of products with digital elements. Yeah, things like open code kind of really flood the mind for this stuff, right? But how yeah. are you really going to uh, force closed source manufacturers to open source all their software, yeah. open code all their software, sorry, that's not going to happen, right? But transparency has a range, of course. Yeah. And again, like it, I think if if we the the sort of the message that I get from this is that people just want to understand in a clearer way what the attack surface maybe or um, what the what the areas are that you know can or could be exploited um, in a clearer more transparent way like basically vendors being open and honest with yeah. uh let's think like a really simple example 
these are the ports that are open on this device that I ship. Or and these are the I don't know the 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 protocols that it's set to respond to or something along those kind of lines rather than just saying, Hey, here's a black box, it does magic. Buy it. Well, that's what we usually do, but I know, I know. But uh, I I like what you're saying. I don't think it's what they're saying. I mean, their rule really mm. says have a list of uh, we have done ISO CVE blah 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 number number and nobody knows what it means. But I think your idea is very perfect because it's very similar to another thing we already have in everyday life. Mm -hmm. Medicines. All medical prescriptions, products, things like that come with a little paper thing giving you all the side effects. The potential mm -hmm. harm-causing effects. So if software would come with, this will potentially leak your data to China or will open up whatever. <laughs> That would actually be something that's uh, transparent to end users because don't forget a lot of people are using, I mean, people using dri driving cars. I have mm. no idea what the software in my car is and I consider myself to be an educated person on the subject, but I have no idea what's in that car. And I'm running, mm. I don't want to know. I would like to see a little pamphlet of saying, okay, if you drive this car, um, car manufacturer XYZ has the right to disable your heated seats at any given moment. I don't know. Not really security, although my bum likes to feel warm and secure. I said bum. You did. You did. That's it. We get demonetized. <laughs> Lucky you didn't do it in the first 30 seconds of the video, so we'll be fine. Yeah, they changed rules. Yeah. All right. So the fourth and final one here. Which is total rubbish. Enable businesses and consumers to use products with digital elements securely. Now, I have to say, on the surface, that sounds brilliant. Yay! But how on earth do you determine, like, whether something is, I guess, like, secure enough? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, also, these are objectives, right? They're, they're supposed to be a little bit vague. This isn't legislation yet, but indeed, having some legislative framework that represents this is going to be interesting, to say the least. Yeah. But my main problem is with the first word. It shouldn't be enable. It should be enforce. Because you can all, mm. people are already enabled to do that as long as they do a lot of work themselves. It should be secure by design. I mean, that's a, a, a phrase that's older than I am by now, I think. Mm. Oh, wow. That didn't really, really post English, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, by design, it should just be, if you buy something, you should be kind of confident that it is a secure thing. And enable it, well, that means that you can make it secure. That's not what it should do for, for the businesses perchance, but for customers, for consumers, it should be secure by default. And if that's not the end goal of this little thingy, uh, what the hell are we doing? I, I know that's a more broader think, question, but I don't think enable is the right word. I agree. I don't think enforce is the right word either. Though. You're attacking my knowledge of English now. Is that it? <laughs> Uh, I mean, maybe the the right word would be because I I think you want at least my impression of it is that they want to they want that to be the outcome. They uh, want yes. the outcome to be that people. So for me, it, I like I don't see that the EU is going to enable that, but maybe. 
Well, I yes. I mean, legislation can against? force the stuff that or... makes it enabled. Ensure. Ensure. Ensure that Maybe products can ensure. be used securely. It's a thing mm. that gives a certainty. Maybe. Maybe ensure. Because enforcing would indeed mean a more active role on power on the EU, which perhaps yeah. is not good, not a good thing. But the whole the whole thing of this this legislation would be to make people confident that if I, I mean that's actually that's where we came to this with the original article that we're talking yeah. about a CE mark for software. Mm. What does a CE mark tell me? Well, it tells me that my baby seat isn't going to crumble. It's going to protect the child because it has been. Put through a bunch of testing, benchmarking, whatever. I can trust it, this thing to do what it's going to do and not harm anything else. Yeah, like it exceeds a certain minimal. minimum set of well-recognized standards for whatever that particular product is, essentially. And for um, security, it would just mean that if I buy the software, I buy Windows, I... Buy Red Hat Linux. I can say that you can buy Red Hat Linux. You can't buy Linux, but you can't buy Red Hat Rel. I should be secured. It should be okay. It should be fine. So, by definition, um, things like uh, that heavy security framework. The name escapes me now. SE Linux should Token. be enabled. SE okay. Linux should be enabled by default. Mm -hmm. I hope not. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is now actually, but I think oh. I'm pretty sure out of the box install it is. Yeah, every day change the CentOS licensing. I've uh, gone to Ubuntu now, so sorry that happened. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so the the four points all like to me like they they're all great, laudable, like wonderful things that we should aim for. But I just don't see. I think there's a disconnect here between what they're trying to achieve and how on earth they can achieve it, and I. I don't know. Like I'm not not convinced that this has been really thought through, or if it has been really thought through, I think they need to be clearer about the scope of this. Like to your point, if it's really around purely physical devices, then you know, focus on that and don't claim that you're going to get anywhere near the five point five trillion dollar cost of of uh, of cybercrime like there's just no way yeah, but i mean the whole, the whole idea of putting that number in there is they know that putting this all in place is going to cost money so as long as it's less mm -hmm. than the, the, the number they put there they can spend up to five trillion was it to make <laughs> stuff in place to try and stop this so that's just why they do it it's budgetary yeah yeah mm. not convinced not convinced now, what did have a, as the article says, uh, dire impact on open source? Would a movement in this way, so if the EU, well, not if the EU is doing this, it's not a CE mark yet, but what this article is kind of saying is, well, if they'd have this Cyber Resilience Act, it's kind of working towards something like that. Would it indeed have a dire impact on open source? I mean, that's why we put this article up. I guess we should answer the question. Or even better, I think I'd have it, you answer the question. I mean, I, I definitely think it could do. Like, if if it's really, if it really does get rolled out as is in the way that it is currently framed, and it applies to all software, regardless of whether it's in a physical device or just exists out there on the internet. Like, frankly, I have no idea how on earth they think that they could 
enforce it. I have, but it, it could create a lot of chaos and confusion for sure. Um, yes, uh, but is that worse than the? Uh, I'm going to say potential, but I think it's realized risks of security problems due to open source software being used without having these checks and balances in place. I mean, I mean not just open source software, like any software. No, we're talking the title specifically about open source, so that's why I'm limited. I know, that. I know, but I, I, I don't think that. I don't think that the two really kind of sit together. I, I, I mean, even the Linux Foundation has their own security uh, organization mm. now to do pretty much the same thing, to be honest. I mean, they're the not the government system. legislation body, but mm. that's basically what they're doing. Yeah, well, it's what they're trying to do. It's slow, steady work and takes a long time. Just like the EU. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you said it, not me, but... I don't know. Like I, I, I really, I'd like to see what the what you know in more detail what the actual proposal kind of goes down into. Um, but frankly, like there's no way I'm going to read uh, uh, the uh, the EU proposal. I did have a quick scan through it, and uh, yeah, life That's is just too short. On. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. But life is too short. Uh, but it just it does feel like something that I'm not. I'm not convinced this is like fully thought out unless they're going to change the scope of it. If they change the scope of it, then I think it makes much more sense. You know, focus on focus on vendors or focus on physical manufacturers or you know however you want to pivot it. Then I think that this can make much much more sense. But just thinking about this for all software. That just seems bananas in the way that it's phrased at the moment, anyway. Well, that's, they're not talking about all software; they're talking about digital products, which is a different term. I'm not going mm. to try to define it, but it's not—it doesn't say software; it says digital products. Yeah, and it's just um, a manufacturing. Uh, for me, tells me that they're looking at a section of all software solutions. Maybe, but again, then don't like just don't BS and say that. You know, this is going to solve a five point five trillion dollar problem. Who says it won't? Because, well, the way money is evaluating, that's like five hundred bucks from last year. <laughs> oh dear. Well, Turkey. I think on that note, <laughs> unless you have anything else, no, I think I said enough rubbish to earn my own little five point five trillion subsidy by now. Oh dear. Yeah, the the Roaring Elephant podcast subsidy from the EU. Yeah, we're definitely going to get that. <laughs> That is definitely all the time we have for today. You can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon. Every contribution really does help. We are on YouTube. You can watch Jan navigate poorly through web pages. You can like, you can subscribe, you can hit the notification bell and do all the YouTube things. You can also go to roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and for more information about the podcast. Follow us on Twitter using the at roaringelephant tag. We don't have a Mastodon account yet. Can't convince Jon that it's a good idea, and I'm certainly not going anywhere near it. Uh, or go old school. Contact us at podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is $5.5 trillion Dave. And my name is Angry Penguin Jon. <laughs> Watch the YouTube to get the link <laughs> to that. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then. Bye.